Good morning, church. Good morning. It's so good to see you this morning. If you don't recognize me, it's because I'm a new face. Uh, my name is Kyle, and so I'm going to be leading worship. Um, we'd like to welcome you online if you're watching. And we'd like to just tell you that we have um, some online hosts to, uh, to greet you, to talk with you, anything that you may need. So this morning, uh, I'm going to share, kind of go into some worship give us a call to worship. So in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul writes a prayer for the Ephesians. And so I want to focus on how he ends this prayer because he addresses God in verse 20. And he says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So for us, as we're in the church, all different peoples, all different generations, and walks of faith, I implore you this morning to lift up your voices in glory to him and honoring him. I invite you to stand and we're going to pray before we go into worship. Dear Heavenly Father God, you are the doer in our lives. And so you and only you deserve the glory. Father God, I pray that you would just open our hearts this morning. God, I pray that you would soften souls. God, we love you, and all the praise is to you this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Gathered in your name 
Church, in today's culture, it is so easy to become discouraged and afraid of what is to come. 
But hear God's words in Isaiah 41, verse 10. He says, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Church, are you leaning on him this morning? Are you allowing him to step before you and fight your battles? If we do this, he will never let us down. He says in his word that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Let's rest in that this morning.
God, we praise your name this morning. God, we ask you to just be the center of our lives. We invite you here in this place. God, be with us this morning as we receive your word. God, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. In your name we pray. Amen. online. Uh, there's a place for you to click that online connection card or just say hello in the chat. Let us know that you're here with us. That'd be fantastic. You've got a connection card in your seat. And so if you just want to fill that out, they can share with us as much information as you feel comfortable sharing. Uh, be sure and put your first last name on there and the names of any adults that are with you. And then there's a place for you to share your prayer requests uh, that you might have as well. Today is uh, Memorial Day. And so we're glad that you are with us to, to celebrate uh, this Sunday. Armed Forces Day, we celebrate at the beginning of May, and that's for those that are currently serving. Um, we have Veterans Day that we celebrate, which is a day that we celebrate those that have, have served, that are still with us. And Memorial Day is an opportunity for us to, to celebrate those that have given their lives um, for our freedom. And so uh, we want to uh, just thank those families, members that uh, have somebody that they've lost. Uh, I have a grandfather that served in the military, and so I know that this is an important day for those that are active in our military. We have many first responders uh, here at Springbrook as well, and so the idea that uh, you would put your life in harm's way uh, for the benefit of others is something that is a sacrifice that has not gone um, unnoticed, and so we want to remember those that have given their lives uh, for our freedom today. Also wanted to let you know that our children's ministry has uh, put some structure around our Kids Connect uh, week, and so the, month, the week of uh, June 14th through the uh, 16th, um, families will be gathering here. If you've got kids, they have some fun things that are planned. Uh, as we mentioned last week, we weren't able to pull off our full VBS, uh, but we are looking forward to Kids Connect. And so registration is open now. And so if you want to register your kids, uh, they're going to have a fantastic time. The teachers are putting some things together right now with crafts and fun. They're going to be able to learn about God and the Bible. And so uh, we're excited about that. It's going to be for an hour and a half. It's going to be running from uh, 10 to 1130. And so if you want to drop your kids off and run some errands, you can do that. Or if you want to stick around parents, uh, we'll have something for the parents to do um, as well. So if you want to know more information about that, please uh, visit our website. You can find information about that on our app um, as well. And then ladies are kicking off our uh, women's summer study that's going to be uh, kicking off in July. Registration uh, for that is due by June 24th. And so there's a book that you'll need to uh, pick up. We've got some uh, exciting information for you that you can find on our website or our app as well for that. And so ladies, uh, look for more information about that. And then our men have got some things coming up um, as well. So you hear about those uh, next week. If you have not yet downloaded our app, I just want to encourage you. Um, you can text uh, Springbrook app to 77977. Uh, everything related to Springbrook, uh, you'll find there. News, announcements. I want to thank those of you that are uh, financially supporting our ministry that is enabling us uh, to reach our community for Christ and to build disciples. And so, but if you want to know more information about Springbrook or you want to get better connected, please uh, download our app. I want to thank uh, Kyle Holmes for coming uh, down from uh, Lake Geneva from Wisconsin to lead us in worship. 
Uh, this morning, uh, his wife, uh, Aaron, will be with them during the uh, second service, uh, but we want to thank uh, uh, Kyle for coming down to lead us in worship this morning. This morning, we also have a guest speaker, uh, Jeff Fritch, and his wife, uh, Sarah, will be here uh, at the end of the service for the second service as well. It's going to be continuing our series, Sent. We're going to be looking at the Great Commission uh, this morning. I'm looking forward to hearing from Jeff, and so if you would, uh, give him a Springbrook welcome. He'll be out in just a few moments, uh, but I want to thank you for being with us this morning. Wow, what a great introduction video. And it's nice to meet all of you this morning. I appreciate the opportunity to come share with you. My name is Jeff, as Rich was talking about. And so um, as I'm talking about sharing, it got me to thinking kind of through a thought exercise. There's a lot of stuff that we get really, really excited to share about, isn't there? There are things that we can go into a grocery store, meet with a complete stranger, and we're very happy to share with them. Anybody take any great vacations lately? Right? Anybody have pictures on your phone of said vacations that you're happy to show others? Or maybe you've posted those pictures to your social media profiles. Or maybe because today is kind of the unofficial start to summer, right? We're here in uh, Memorial Day weekend. You have a good trip that you have planned that you'd be excited to tell somebody about. All the different things that you'd get to you know, see and do and experience. Or maybe secondary to you or primary for some people or all the restaurants and the things that you're going to eat on those vacations, right? Because calories don't count while you're on vacation. Isn't that true? Yeah. I, I think it's true. But you get to talk to people and you're excited to share about all the unique things that you get to partake in and eat. And we're happy to share that kind of stuff with perfect strangers. You know, all the special places to us that we like to enjoy. Or how about when it comes to our favorite movies or TV shows? I worked for a company for a while. Every single Monday morning, people would come in to a show I didn't even watch, and that's all that anybody wanted to talk about all the time. They wanted to share about what had happened and what they thought was going to happen next week, whether they liked it or not. Or maybe you have a particular movie that you quote lines from ad nauseum, and sometimes you do it, and people are like, what is he talking about? And they're like, you don't realize that comes from my favorite movie, right? We're, we're happy to share that kind of stuff with others. Or maybe if... I come back here, you know, September, October time frame, I might look out on this audience and I might see maybe some Bears jerseys or maybe outside, you know, coming in from, you have the jackets with the Bears insignia on them. And people are happy to share about their teams as well, aren't they? They're happy to talk about, you know, in a grocery store in Walmart coming up to me and letting me know that they think Justin Fields is going to take the team into January and February which in parlance, if you don't watch football, means that he's going to take him into the playoffs and then into the Super Bowl. 
but we're happy to share that kind of stuff with total strangers, right? Or maybe your team isn't the Bears because they haven't won since I was born practically. So maybe your team instead is, you know, the White Sox or the Bulls or the Cubs or the Hawks. But, you know, we're happy to go and share with, about our team with perfect strangers. But then what about when it comes to sharing about Jesus? So we're like, I kind of like that guy. Now I want him to go home. I don't like the tone that you're taking with me. Well, how about, you know, sharing our faith? What is it that makes us so apprehensive about it? And I'm not patronizing you at all. It's very difficult for us to do, isn't it? Sharing our faith with others because we get nervous. We think maybe, you know, they might think poorly of us or we might offend somebody or they might ask me a question that I don't have the answer to and it's going to derail the conversation And so, you know, this morning we're going to be in Matthew chapter 28, and we're going to take a look at a passage where sharing our faith is actually just the first step in a journey of discipleship that we're to take with others. And unfortunately, it's not something that he's saying that we might do or something that we, you know, should do uh, sometimes, but rather it's commanded and it's something that we should do all the time. And so again, we'll be in uh, Matthew 28. Uh, You guys have been in a sermon series, you know, called Sent for since Easter time, and I think it's so important because you've been talking about the things that Jesus did and said post-resurrection, right? So he came back. Some people have this idea that, you know, Jesus was resurrected at the grave, and then he went up into the sky, and that was it. But that's not it, is it? He stayed behind for another 40 days, a month and some time, you know, teaching his disciples and appearing to others. And so there's a lot of important stuff that ha- happened during that time frame. And so when we come to our passage today, we're going to be you know, towards the end of this time frame here, you know, towards uh, you know, Matthew 28, getting closer and closer towards the ascension. And so what I want to think through you guys through with today is first just some background or some setting information in our passage. And then I want to take a look at some issues of authority. And then lastly, I want to, or, excuse me, next I want to take a look at the mission that we have itself And then lastly, I want to take a look at a promise that Jesus gives us. And that promise is oh so important. So I'll stop rambling and we'll go ahead and read through the passage. We're going to be in Matthew 28, chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Again, Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. If you want to follow along with me um, in your Bible, on your, your Bible app, whatever you're using to read. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when he saw, excuse me, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so, As you were reading that, you might have a heading in your Bible there that says the Great Commission, or you probably heard lots of sermons if you've been a believer for a long time on this particular topic. And so we use that word commission that gets thrown out. What is a commission? A commission is the authority simply to act on behalf of another. And so that's exactly what Jesus is asking us to do here. In this passage, Jesus commissions his followers to carry on his mission. Jesus has a mission here on earth, and he He doesn't do that directly himself. He works through us, and he uses each one of us in order to carry out that mission here on earth. He uses me. He uses you if you're a follower of his. And so again, Jesus commissioned his followers to carry out his mission. 
And so I just want to go into some of the background here and a reread for us verses 16 through 17. Um, if you're still in the passage, it says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. And it says, But some doubted. So we have two things here that are uh, not particularly surprising to us, two things that we would expect. And then we have one thing that's a little bit surprising here in, in the background or the setting. One thing that's not surprising is that the disciples had come to Galilee because that's exactly where Jesus had told them to go. If you just flip back a little bit in the passage at Matthew 28.10, after Jesus had been resurrected and he's at the tomb with the women, he told them, then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and that's where they will see me. And so they had come to Galilee and they had likely been there for some time, and so that's unsurprising that they're there. And then it's um, also unsurprising that some who saw him worshipped him. So those who recognized that this was Jesus in the flesh before them, and it was the resurrected Christ, the person who they had seen so brutally murdered, was now back alive, walking and talking and speaking with them. You know, that only God can do that, and so they rightly worshipped him. Now the thing that we might find kind of surprising is that Matthew includes in here that, but some doubted. But some doubted. So it doesn't give us a lot of information, does it? It doesn't tell us who doubted or for what reasons they doubted or you know, who specifically is doing the doubting. And so some people think that maybe this is some of the, uh, one of the 11 that's doing the doubting. Others say maybe it's another group that had you know, come with the 11 that's doing the doubting. Uh, they point out that the but is contrastive of you know, the 11 earlier in the verse. And so, again, we don't know for what reason or who is doing this doubting, but I don't think that it's something that should give us pause. In fact, I think it speaks to the veracity of the passage itself. If you're wanting to fool people, you don't put something in here like this, right? You don't put something in that says that somebody was doubting. Also, I don't think that the doubt was a wholesale rejection that this was Jesus that was standing before them. Instead, just like today, if somebody who was once dead and brutally murdered comes back and is walking and talking with you, that might give you a little bit of a pause, a little bit of hesitation, right? And, and we also know that this isn't where they ended up because we know from the Acts of the Apostles and also the Church Fathers, you know, that the disciples, you know, believed that they were serving the resurrected Christ and they were willing to die for that particular message. And so, again, I don't want to speak a whole lot about that because you guys got a really good sermon on that about three weeks ago if you want to go back and re-watch that on Doubt from Pastor Tim, talking about the episode, you know, with you know, Thomas and John chapter 20. And so... Just moving on, I want to move to the next item as we get into the actual mission itself. And that's that we carry out Jesus' mission under his authority. Again, we carry out Jesus' mission under his authority. Not our own authority or the authority belonging to another, but Jesus himself. Let's take a look at uh, verse 18 in the passage. It says, When Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And so all authority paired with heaven and earth means there's nothing that's seen on this earth or nothing unseen in realms that, you know, we can't, you know, partake in. All of that belongs to Jesus. Every single thing, you know, that exists, seen and unseen, is under his authority. It belongs to him. And so we need to ask two questions, I believe, of this. The first is, where does this come from? Why does he interject this here? And why is he talking about this with his disciples? The other is, Why? And what, why is it relevant? Why does it matter to me as I'm attempting to talk with my neighbor and share Christ with him? 
So first I want to take a look at the where. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus some 30 times uses one particular title for himself. Anybody know what that title is? Call it out if you think you know it. Anybody? Son of man, I heard it. Thank you. He says that the son of man, and he's not talking about his lineage coming from, you know, Joseph. He's not saying that I have, uh, you know, the lineage that a man would, but rather it's a messianic title that he uses himself, and it comes from Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 through 14. And I just want to read this passage here because this is talking about having all authority is a continuance of this. And so in Daniel 7, you know, verse 13 says, I saw night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one, Here's the term, like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days, which is the throne of God. And if you look further back in this passage in Daniel, it shows that it's surrounded by flames. Not just the type of thing that you casually kind of walk up to, right? And so this is a special individual, the son of man, and he was presented before him. And to him was given, and here's where the authority portion comes in, dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. And so this all authority on heaven and earth, he's saying, I am the son of man from Daniel, and now I have assumed this mantle, and this authority belongs to me. And so now we have to ask the second question, which is, why do I care, right? Why is this important to me? How is this going to help me in sharing you know, with my neighbors and sharing with you know, people in the grocery store that I rub elbows with. Well, it's because Jesus' authority is then passed on to the church as it attempts to work out his mission. So his authority is then invested in us as where we're going out to make disciples, as the passage talks about here. The same God who has authority over everything, over you know, both things on earth that we can see and also everything you know, that we can't see, that's the same very God that's working on our behalf as we're attempting to accomplish his mission. That, that authority he's giving and delegating to us. Um, go through a little thought exercise with me here. What if Rich was here on a Monday morning and somebody decides that they're going to start doing donuts in the parking lot and they're causing some property damage? Is he going to go march out there and he's going to go tell them to stop that and cause a confrontation? Well, he, he might. He's a big guy, right? So he might attempt to do so, but more than likely, I think that he's probably going to call the police, isn't he? He's going to call somebody who has a certain level of authority to go out and deal with the situation. Or take it even further, maybe he uh, gets note of something that he thinks might be like a human smuggling or trafficking ring, and so he's going to probably contact the authorities, and that'll probably work its way up, and then you'll have another level of authority, right? You'll have the, the federal uh, you know, level of authority be needed for that. And so all authority on heaven and earth is needed because we're not just trying to take care of Huntley as the church. They're not just trying to take care of the United States, but we're evangelizing and we're bringing the world you know, to Christ. And so all authority is needed over everything because we're trying to reach everywhere, all people groups. And so that authority you know, is much needed. And I think this should bring comfort to us because also, you might have uh, friends or family members that you're praying for, trying to reach out, and maybe they're just not interested in the gospel, or maybe they're quite antithetical to it. You know, it's something they don't—I don't want to hear it, right? And so if we're praying for those people, it should bring comfort to us that those individuals are also under Jesus Christ's authority. There is not one person on this earth who is not under the authority of Christ. And so he's working through us and using us in his authority to reach out and accomplish his mission to these people. So 
Moving on, we carry out Jesus' mission under his authority, but also we carry out Jesus' mission by making disciples. Now, reread uh, verses 19 through 20 with me. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And so here I need to make a boring grammar point. Will you guys permit me to make a boring grammar point? I know. It's not the most fun thing to do, but I think it's, Jermaine, it's important to, you know, the passage here. And so in the slide that I have up, notice I have a box under make disciples, and then, you know, go baptizing and teaching, you know, I put lines under. And the thing that I want you to see here, you know, with this slide is that the imperative or the command in the passage is make disciples. So sometimes you hear, you know, a sermon like this and they harp on the go or they harp on the, harp on the baptizing or they harp on the teaching. Those things are secondary to making disciples. Those things, they modify or they speak to how disciples are to be made. And so, you know, the call of the church is first and primary thing is to make disciples. The other items spell out, you know, how we do that. So you might say, what is a disciple, Right. Disciple simply is a follower after Christ, a person who not only claims Jesus Christ, but also follows them, you know, with their life. They take the things that Jesus says seriously. They've come to faith by uh, repenting of their sins and by placing their faith and trust in Jesus' sacrificial atoning death. And so we're to, you know, bring the word to them and make disciples, and this is, you know, the primary call. And then the rest of these items modify make disciples, or they show how one makes them. And so, moving on, I want to first speak, you know, about, you know, the go and spend a little time here. And so, this is the missionary call, of course, to travel to all nations, right? And so, this is, you know, something that's needed in that case. If you have uh, God placed on your heart to, you know, travel to other nations to make disciples there, by all means, you know, follow the Spirit's leading and please go. There are, you know, millions and millions of believers, you know, around the globe who are there because people have heeded the call to go and they do so. And I, I think that while that's needed, at the same time, we harp on that so much that I think that we have the propensity to do two things. And the, the first thing that we have the propensity to do is sometimes we see missions work as somebody else's work, right? We say somebody else is going to go to these countries and somebody else is going to make disciples there. Maybe I'll back them and I'll help them financially, but that's something that missionaries do. So that's the, the first propensity, I think, if we only see go in that particular way. The second thing is that I think that we miss opportunities all around us every day to make disciples within our own circles, the places where we, you know, live and breathe. And so it's also, I think, permissible, you know, because this is not a command. Go is, sounds like a command, but it's also permissible to translate this in your going or as you go, as was done in an earlier mission in Matthew's gospel, Matthew 10, 7, there when he was speaking with the disciples and sending them out to around the nation of Israel he said, and proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so we need to be sharing Jesus with others, not just in the context where we go to a foreign country and make disciples there, but also as we go within our own circles that we uh, live and breathe in every single day. And so when I started out the message here, I told you I wasn't patronizing you. I really want to help you as far as sharing your faith. I need help in that area too sometimes. And so there's uh, but a few things that I felt helpful that I wanted to try and share with you if I can. So here's you know, five things that I thought of. Uh, the first one is to pray. 
Remember we talked about Jesus having all authority? If he's the one with authority, probably best to involve him in our efforts to reach out to others, right? We're fulfilling his uh, commission, therefore we want to involve him and pray to lead us to individuals that we're to speak to. Pray to lead us to individuals who the Holy Spirit is working on and are sensitive and receptive to his words. And so first thing would be to start out by praying. The second is to explore your areas of influence and your connections with others. I see a lot of kids, or I've seen a lot of kids around here, so I know that we have some parents in the audience. I'm a parent, or maybe you're a grandparent and you have kids underneath your roof. In our homes, that is one of our primary disciple-making fields right there is with our children. We don't want to outsource that to others. We don't want to make that the church's responsibility. If you're a believer in Jesus, the primary responsibility for making disciples of those children falls with you. And they live under your roof, so you have a captive audience, right? Right. Um, But maybe you're at work and you want to try and make disciples there. Do you have a break room you can read your Bible in? Or or maybe you even have some other believers there that you could lead a study with? And it's not so that others see you and think that you're so holy. We want to avoid that, of course. But maybe it opens others to questions, asking about, you know, why are you reading? What are you reading? You know, and, and so it leads to spiritual conversations. Or maybe also, you know, where you're at school, students. You're sitting at the lunch table and, you know, you're talking about your activities at church. You know, that can foray or lead over to spiritual conversations with those you go to school with. Or maybe as you're waiting for your kids to finish sports practice and you're standing there with the other parents talking about the activities that they're in at church as well as the sports activities or plays or musicals or whatever it is that they're involved with. Um, And lastly, one really big advantage that you guys have, and I know that you have a good program here, is for small groups. If you have a small group, you have a wonderful vehicle for disciple-making and something that you do every day. Or not every day, every week rather. So you met every day, somebody might not want to come to that. That's, that's quite a bit of a commitment. But every week at least, right? Because you have some individuals who would not darken the door of a church, yet if you ask them to come to your home, they're fine with that, right? They can meet people who are um, you know, from the church. They can engage in spiritual conversations. They can sit and watch as you guys do some form of Bible study. And they can come to know the God of the universe simply because you invited them into your home. Your neighbors, those people that you interact with that wouldn't come to church, you know, but they'll come and sit in your living room and have some food. You've got to include food. That's important. So, The third item is to leverage good resources. So we are not the first people to try and share our faith with others. There are a lot of people who do so, uh, have done so more, and they also do so you know, better than a lot of us do. And so I just, just a couple examples, brought a couple with me, and these particular resources happen to do with engaging people in simple conversations and then turning those over to the spiritual so that you can share your faith with them. One is Questioning Evangelism by Randy Newman. I believe he's a fellow with the uh, C.S. Lewis Institute. And so this is a good one, uh, talking about uh, questions that you ask of others so that you can have them open up in their assumptions. And another one is Tactics by Greg Kugel, talking about um, employing tactics to drive the conversations over to spiritual things. And this one in particular, your church gave you an awesome gift with Right Now Media. I believe there are 10 video lessons on this particular book. So you could try and see if you can find it at the library or if you get like a, a Kindle version or something. You could even start reading that today and then go online and use the resource that your church gave you and start working through trying to share your faith with others in a better way.
The fourthly, I would say the easiest thing to do is to share your story. Not everybody is going to be well-versed on the cosmological argument for God's existence or all the historical and philosophical, can't even say the word for crying out loud, philosophical proofs of Jesus Christ's resurrection. Oh, and although I enjoy that stuff and it's something that I like to do, you know, not everybody can do that. And so you should share your story. How has God changed your heart? How has he made your life different? And that speaks to people, right? We, we, we have, uh, at the beginning in January, they're making New Year's resolutions, people trying to change the way that they do things, to change their life, and they're most often unsuccessful. Or there are diets and different fads and things that people come in and go out of. And so when you have a lasting change that occurs in your life, that's extremely important. That's something, again, that speaks to people and it hits them at their heart. Um, we have a, a kid that I've been evangelizing and talking to where, um, you know, he's kind of like, mm, you know, semi-warm or cold on you know, everything and all the different arguments I've been giving him. But he witnessed the baptism with a gentleman who was an alcoholic had lost the respect of his family, his wife, and his kids, you know, found it hard to be around him, came to know Jesus Christ, his life turned around, was able to ditch the alcoholism, gain the respect of his wife and kids, and is able to leave them, lead them, rather. Uh, and so, you know, when he gave his uh, story at his you know, baptism, that spoke to that individual, and they said, you know, I can't believe that something can change that much in somebody's life. And it, and it wasn't, you know, a particular medicine. It wasn't, you know, some sort of, you know, therapy he went through. It was God, the Holy Spirit, coming into his life and making those changes. And so that spoke to this individual. And, and you can all tell your story, right? You can all talk about how God's, you know, changed you and has um, transformed your life, you know, from the inside. And the last thing is just to tell the truth. So at some point when you're speaking with people, we got to get our cards out on the table, Right? We got to figure out, you know, which, you know, verse are we going to give them? Um, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no way to the Father but through Him. We got to, we have to get the gospel out there. We have to put our cards out on the table. It's not something that we can just communicate through osmosis, just trying to think about it so hard that the other person gets it. Sometimes we have the uh, quote that's thrown around, and sometimes it's ascribed to Saint Francis of Assisi that says, you know, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. And I, I'm here to tell you that that's a load of hogwash. That isn't something that we should do. And in fact, I know you guys saw this slide last week because I watched a sermon from there. But Romans 10, Paul speaking there says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe on him whom they have never heard? We have to tell them. We have to get our cards out on the table and we have to put the message out there in front of them. And so maybe that's some time building up to there, but, you know, at some point we have to give them the gospel. We have to give them the truth. And so, you know, if those things are, you know, helpful to you, great. I'm happy to, uh, you know, lend you even any of these resources or, you know, point you to some others if you wish. But I want to move on here to uh, the next item, you know, which modifies make disciples, and that's baptizing. And so I first have to talk about what baptizing, baptism, what kind of uh, baptism is he talking about? Because that's used in various ways. And so there's one type of baptism which is, happens one time in a uh, believer's existence, and that's when they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They give their life to Christ, and then the Holy Spirit baptizes them and invades you know, their being. And so that type of baptism we can see in 1 Corinthians 12:13. It says, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. 
each and every believer in Jesus Christ was baptized you know, by the Holy Spirit at the time that they became saved. And so that's why it says we were all baptized into one body. But that's not the type of baptism that's being talked about here. The type of baptism that's being talked about here is rather water baptism, as spoken of in Matthew 28, 19. And just a passage here that I think that gives a really great example of, you know, the a progression of how this should follow from Acts 18, 8. It says, Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household, and many of the Corinthians hearing Paul believed and were baptized. So see that progression there? They believed and then were baptized. And so this baptism they're talking about when we're baptizing others and making disciples of them, we're encouraging them to make a public declaration of their faith. The faith is not a, a private thing that they're holding to themselves and, and, you know, they're not willing to share with others, but we're asking them to come out in the open and make a public declaration of your faith. And I see the baptismal right there, and if you see that on a church's stage, that's a good sign. You know, that's something that we want to be doing as far as making disciples. And so this baptism is so important because um, it's kind of like if you think of it from the um, perspective of a we- wedding ceremony, right? The people get dressed up all pretty, and they put on their best clothes, and they go up on the stage, and they exchange rings, and um, you know, they exchange vows. They pledge to one another that they'll love you and nobody else for the rest of my life. And in baptism in a similar vein, you, you go and you make a public declaration before others that you know, I will serve and I will obey Jesus Christ as my Lord and no other for the rest of my life. And so we make that vow. We come out in public and do so. Uh, next, I want to move on because for time here to go to the teaching. Teaching others is a part of making disciples as well. Um, and it says, teaching them to know so that you'll have a big head and be able to do really good on the theology exam. Is that what it says? Okay. I just want to make sure you were still with me because I don't No, no, it's, that's not what it says in case you're following along. I, I know the passage. It says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And so, of course, the observe means to keep. So it is something that we teach people not just what to think, but also what to do. There's a, a physical component involved in this. And so, again, it's teaching them to observe. The teaching just doesn't lead to head knowledge or knowing more about you know, spiritual things, but it also means how we employ those, and it leads to right living. Um, just think about um, one thing that, uh, I think is sometimes missing in discipleship scenarios, and that's also observation of a person's life. And so sometimes you think of discipleship as I stand up here and you receive what it is that I teach you, but I think that we need to see more life on life. And so again, going back to the small groups as to why that's so important, you can see that what one person says, they believe not just by what they say, but also how they live their life in terms of how they treat their spouse or how they treat their kids or how they treat others around them, you know, when they're not in a spiritual situation. And so, you know, discipleship needs to be more life on life, teaching people how to observe and not just know, you know, the things, uh, you know, that Jesus teaches us. Just think about the church's witness and what it would be if we would actually step into and obey and observe the things that Jesus commands us. I had the privilege of teaching uh, through the Sermon on the Mount with a group of adults, and let me tell you, there is some crazy stuff in there, isn't there? Right? Praying for your enemies, loving them. You know, there's just all kinds of things that are so difficult and we need to spend lifelong uh, working through and attempting to do, but we need to teach others to do so by having them observe how we do that. And so 
again, the teaching is not just for knowledge's sake, but also teaching them to you know, observe uh, what Jesus has commanded. So um, we carry out Jesus' mission under his authority. We've taken a look at now Jesus' uh, mission is uh, done by us when we're making disciples. But also we carry out Jesus' mission by knowing that he promises to be with us. And so this is the, the comforting part, you know, of a sermon here. And so sometimes, and I, I want to read the verse first. This is at the uh, end of uh, verse 20. He says, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And that's how Matthew ends his gospel here. And so, you know, when we go out there and we're sharing our faith with others, particularly if we're solo, it, it can feel really alone, right? We can feel like we're the only person who believes this sometimes or uh, you know, we can feel particularly intimidated, but we need to know that Jesus is actually there present with us. God's omnipresence, Jesus being with us in all circumstances, he is there with us in fulfilling that mission, trying to, you know, care for us and lead us into the right situations for, for doing so. The until the end of the age also implies that it's until he returns again. So he wasn't just there in that scenario or with other people at particular times, but he's with all believers at all times when they're trying to carry out his mission of making disciples. Um, we have a nine-month-old foster child with us, and he's starting to do some big kid stuff and you know, explore standing up and playing with certain toys. But he always wants to make sure that uh, you know, myself or my wife are within his presence when he does so. So he'll venture off for a little while, but he's always looking over his shoulder and making sure that we're still there. And if we're not there, he starts screaming and crying because he, he needs us to be there. And so as we're venturing out, just in the same way as a child does, you know, if we're looking over our shoulder, we can have that comfort of knowing that Jesus is there with us in that act. He's helping us. He's going to give us, you know, the words to speak. He's going to give us, um, you know, if we're praying, the right people that he's directing us to. And so, um, again, he, the promise is that he promises there to be with us. And so I just want to conclude with a uh, really great illustration. This comes from Pastor H.B. Charles, and I, I believe since I'm borrowing it from him, I need to say that that's who it comes from. But um, he talks about the USS United States. And if you are unaware of what the USS the United States, it was a ship that was commissioned in 1949, and it was commissioned as a troop transport. And so the goal was for it to be the fastest ship that there was, and you could pack between ten and 15,000 troops at a time on this particular ship, and it could go anywhere in the world with speed and drop off large numbers of troops. So it would be very important, especially coming off of the World War II time period. But instead of being a troop transport, the troop was instead used as a luxury cruise liner. And so people, kind of a status symbol, wanted to take a trip on the ship, and it was able to um, take people like Judy Garland, Marilyn Monroe, uh, Judy Garland is Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz, because I know we have some younger folks with us here and don't know who that is. But, um, and also Walt Disney, you know, of, of course, who created the whole Disney empire and everything. But they were able to take you know, trips on the ship, and so it was kind of more of a status symbol of a luxury cruise liner. And so it did not you know, fit the original commission which it was given. And so I submit to you, because this ship has been sitting you know, in Philadelphia Harbor since 1996, rotting away, and if you see here, there's like lots of rust and things on the hull. It's kind of a sad shell of its former self, and it wasn't even used for what it was intended in the first place. And so the, the church instead should be a troop transport uh, and not a cruise ship. 
we should fulfill our commission in doing what it is that we were asked to do and not be a cruise ship that is for us who were already on the inside, you know, so that we can feel, you know, comfort in those circles. And there's some importance to that, those things, but if that's all that we do, that's a problem. All churches in the world, across this nation, and starting with Springbrook, we have to make that decision. Are we going to be a luxury cruise liner, or are we going to be a troop transport? Are we going to send out you know, soldiers out into the world to make disciples as Jesus has commissioned us to do? And if we choose the former, if we decide to stay within our shell, the, the church will end up dying, right? They have atrophy. Um, people will end up, some passing away, some moving, some leaving the church. And so we need to be continually adding to the number of us, you know, through evangelizing others. And so, um, you know, please be a troop transport and not, not a luxury cruise liner. And not only personally, you know, but also as a body here together. Um, lastly, I just wanted to mention, in case you have any, you know, questions about, um, you know, starting a relationship with Jesus Christ or, um, you know, any of the resources I mentioned or anything else in, in this sermon that you just need explained, you know, go ahead and text next step to that number or use that, you know, code there, and, um, you know, they'd be happy to go ahead and address those questions with you. But go ahead and pray with me if you would. Thank you. Lord, you've given us some very hard things to do. Hard for most of us to uh, be able to share our faith with others, that uh, to step out and to possibly be rejected, or, or we think about those things that are written in the Sermon on the Mount about how persecution may come to us as a result. But I pray that we would listen to that promise that I mentioned, that you are present here with us, that you are going to lead us and, and you're going to fulfill your mission through us. And so just encourage us, give us bravery, help us to, within our own circles in which we normally go to, to make disciples, if we're not able to go out into the mission field and the rest of the world, start in our home and our places of work. And Lord, just please lead through us and use us as vessels for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand with us. How great the chasm that lay between us how high the mountain i could not climb in desperation i turned to heaven and spoke your name into the Imagine who could imagine so great a 
Amen. Heavenly Father God, we just thank you so much for what you've done, for your presence being in this place. God, for bringing your word this morning, for forgiving sinners who didn't deserve it, and entrusting us with going out and sharing your word and your gospel. God, we are not worthy. love us anyway. We thank you, Father. In your name we pray. Amen.